I'd like for you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 6 through 15 and we'll follow God's word as we study together. Verse 6 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which, um, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which not, have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. It seems to be in our day, the more a person, the smarter a person becomes, the more he looks down on what he calls blind faith, things that cannot be proven. Um, and, and the smarter a man becomes, it seems, the more he disdains those things which are precious if you can't prove them. Uh, the Corinthian church had this problem um, and so they began to change the simple message of the cross, the gospel, in order to appeal to the uh, intellectual Greek for it seems foolishness to a man to believe something that cannot be proven. I mean, it's uh, beneath the dignity of human intelligence to just to take a blind leap of faith. We've always had this problem. In the 1800s, a man named Nietzsche says that, that, that Germany reels under two narcotics, alcohol and Christianity, and he called Christianity the one great curse on earth, the immortal blemish on mankind. Not only was that true in Europe, it was true in America. Ingersoll, the most infamous infidel perhaps, said that Christianity has left man in ignorance, fear, and superstition. These folks, he said, need to be liberated from their bondage 
You show me proof. You give me after analysis and research proof and I'll believe it. Now before we get into the um, wisdom that comes from God, before we get to the message, I want to show you something from the book of Job. So I'm going to ask you to turn, everybody needs to turn to the 11th chapter of Job and I want you to put your finger there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and hold that place. Now let's look at the, at the 11th chapter of Job because this statement that Job makes, or Zophar, the friend of Job, in the book of Job makes, cuts to the heart of that kind of philosophy or idea that says that, that if, you be, if you're intelligent, you can't believe. If you're intelligent, you can't accept by faith that the only things that you can trust or believe are the things that you prove. Now the 11th chapter of Job, beginning at verse seven. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? Now, um, the question is, is not can you find God? The question he's asking is, can you find out about God by searching? Can you find out about God? Can you come into a knowledge of God through intellectual pursuit? And the word discover there means to cut to the limits or cut to the depths. And the Hebrew construction of, this, uh, of these questions de demands the obvious answer, no. You cannot find out about God through intellectual pursuit alone. You cannot discover God. You cannot find out about God through a human search, a, a, an intellectual search of Him. Well, how does one come into a knowledge of God? Or how does one find out about God? Verse 13. If you would direct your heart. Now, I don't know all that means, but I know it means this. It means that God has reserved to faith those depths of God, that wisdom of God, that understanding and knowledge of God. He, th that comes through the heart, not through the mind. That one comes into a knowledge of God, he cuts to the limits of God, he, he discovers the depths of God, not by intellectual pursuit, not by intellectual searching, but he comes to that through an experience of the heart that comes by faith. So that the best things of God are reserved to faith. Now I want to show you that from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now there's a word that just keeps on showing up in chapter 2, verse 6 and following, and that's the word wisdom. Now, now we have a little problem with that word because our concept of wisdom is a very, uh, you know, in very uh, smart, intelligent, gray-haired man who has had a lot of experience. Some of us don't have hair. And some of us don't have gray hair, so it, 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 it means more than that. I want to give you a, a, a synonym for the word wisdom. I want you to get this down and understand. Every time you see the word wisdom, I want you to think of these three words, spiritual depth perception. SDP, spiritual depth perception. Now the intellectual might say, well, there's no depth to Christianity. 
it's a shallow thing. It's something that, that the ignorant believe, that a person accepts by faith. The Apostle Paul says, that's not so. There is a depth, there is a spiritual perception that the man of God has that no other one has. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians that there is reserve to the mature, and that word means the well-rounded, the person who has been completed in Christ. There, there is reserved to him information, perception, both of events and of people, perception toward life. He has a spiritual depth perception. He has wisdom. Now, he, he talks about that one time, and then he... He, he re-emphasized it all through this passage. I want to show you uh, other places or other synonyms for wisdom. J just look at them. If you have a pencil, I want you to underline them. In verse six, 7, he calls it God's wisdom. In verse 10, he calls it, he refers to wisdom as the depths of God, God's deepest thoughts. In verse 11, he, say, he calls it the thoughts of God. In verse 14, he, he, he refers to wisdom as the things of the Spirit of God. And in verse 16, he says, we have the mind of Christ. Now, I want you to watch this because we're going to put all this together and take a, an, an exciting look at what's available to God's people. God's people, that is, the mature man in Christ has the wisdom of God. He knows, he, he, he is invited in and is made available to him God's deepest thoughts, the thoughts of God, the things of the Spirit of God, yea, even the mind of Christ. Now, the intellectual might say that the Christian is a shallow man who operates in ignorance on faith alone, a blind faith that has no foundation and no, no, no justification. The Apostle Paul says, there is open to the mature believer the very thoughts of God himself, the mind of Christ. Now, why is it that the non-Christian does not have this? Uh, a guy I, I used to know out in West Texas, he was a, uh, a young guy, he, he, he's a pharmacist there, and he and I got to be good buddies, and we visited a lot, drank coffee, and had a fellowship. He started coming to a pastor's class I taught. He, he said, he'd tell me over and over again, he said, I, there's nobody in this town who wants to be a Christian anymore than I do. He said, I'm searching for this. He said, I just, I just can't understand it. He said, if, if you can just help me to understand this and, and I, so that I can just, you know, see it, you know, then I'll, be, I'll believe it. Well, the problem with that is, it just ain't possible. The non-believer does not have that kind of information at his disposal. Now, I want you to watch what he talks about. The reason a non-Christian can't understand this, can't have the, the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God that the Christian has for several reasons. One, he says, because in verse 7, it is a mystery to him. Now, the word is musturion. And the word means this literally. It's not like, uh, you know, a mystery like who done it, you know, and you try to figure it out. It's like that which is available to the one who has been initiated. 
It's that information that's been, that's been made available to the initiated. Now, let me see if I can illustrate it. If I were to turn around here and, and put a piece of paper up to my mouth and whisper something to Barbara, you know, just whisper to her, I might say something that caused her to laugh. In fact, she may laugh now. I, I, I whisper something to her and I just whispered and she started laughing. You wouldn't laugh. You might laugh because she's laughing, but you wouldn't laugh because you knew what I said. Uh, she'd be privy to information that you would not have. Now, I'd be saying something to her and, and she'd have my thoughts and my mind and she and I would have that, but nobody else would have it. That's what this is talking about in the Musturion. The child of God is privy to information that the non-believer cannot have. He has, he has knowledge, he has understanding, he has, he has the availability of information that the unbeliever can never experience, never know. I used to know a guy, he was an amateur magician. Uh, he was called Barney the Magnificent. Now, he, he wasn't that great, really, but he had these tricks that he bought. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I watched him do his tricks. I couldn't figure them out. I mean, every kid there knew what it was about. They'd say, I know that trick, but they really didn't. And, and so we went off in a revival meeting, and he went with me to lead a singing. He was a lay singer, and he took his magic tricks to do magic shows with kids. And I was to help him. And, and he had this suitcase full of tricks, and he, I, I, you know, I, I, I knew that there were, you know, I, I was smart enough to know that there were some tricks going on there behind that suitcase, but I didn't know what he had. But being in on, the, in on the, the magic show, for the first time I saw all of his tricks. I mean, it was just so simple, you know. And here were these kids, everybody was just amazed at everything he did, but, but when you were in on it, see, I mean, it was just, it was so obvious that that's what he was doing. After you were in on it, you, you kind of see. You, you do kind of see, don't you? Now, 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 the Apostle Paul said, here are these unbelievers who are out there and they are witness to this information. They are witness to this message, this story. They are witness to God and His work. But they really don't know what's going on because they're not behind the scenes. It's a musturion. It's a mystery to them. The reason they cannot know is also revealed, is also suggested in verse, uh, in verse 7. It says that wisdom is hidden. The thoughts of God are hidden. The mind of Christ is hidden. The word means veiled. Now sometime when you read over in the New Testament, you will hear Jesus say, I'm, I just thank God that he... He hid those to the eyes of man and revealed them to babes. Now what he was meaning is, is this, that God veils the mind of the unbeliever to the activity of God, to the mind of God, to the thoughts of God, and reveals that to the, believing, who has, who, to the believer who has childlike faith. God hides that information. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to know what's necessary to be saved. He wants you to know though that you'll never find out that information by searching with the mind. You'll come like a child with faith to get that information. 
The third thing he said about, he says in verse 8, that it's not understood. Now that's an interesting word in the Greek. It means it's not where you can grasp it. It's not like seeing it. You, you'll never see it, he's saying, until you're saved. And then an interesting um, verse of Scripture, verse 9, he says, it cannot be learned. Now, how many times have you been guilty, as I have, quoting verse 9 with regard to comfort? Every sermon, you know, every funeral sermon I preach, I use this just about. Let me quote it from the King James. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered the mind of man to comprehend the glorious things God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, we take that to mean that God has this marvelous place called heaven and we can't imagine what it's like up there. I mean, it's never, we've just never been able to comprehend what it's like. But he's quoting Isaiah 61, and those words were meant for the adversaries of God, and he's saying this, you cannot conceive of God's mind and wisdom with the eye and the human intellect or the human mind. You can't grasp it with a mind. You can't comprehend it with the senses. It runs beyond human reason. It's not available to human intellect. Isn't that great? That's why the non-believer can't, uh, by human search, find God. Now, now watch this. If a person comes to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, like these young people today, if he comes to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior, he repents of his sins. That is, he turns away from the old life where he was in control, and he turns to, toward God, toward Christ by faith, and he opens up his life by faith to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ comes to live in his life, and that experience takes place by simple faith. It's trusting Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. And the moment that happens, he is initiated in to the thoughts of God, he begins to understand it. It begins to unfold to him. Now, he doesn't understand everything, you know, the night he's saved, but it begins to unfold. He begins to see it. He begins to understand it. Jesus, one day, the Pharisees came to him. He said, how can we know that the things you're saying are of God? He said, if a man wills to do the will of my Father, he'll know the truth, whether it be of God. You know what he was saying? He said, if you'll come by faith and commit yourself to me, then as the result of that, that commitment, you'll begin to understand what this is about. Now we get to cart for the horse. We say, I want to understand it, then I believe. Jesus said, you believe, then you'll understand it. Now look at the wisdom of the Christian, wisdom and the Christian, verses 10 through 13. First, the priority. He says that this is to us, this is to us, to whom? Well, to those, verse 6, he calls the mature the believer who is walking with Christ. And then look at verses 10 through 11. I want to read those again because there's the process. Look at the process. For to us God revealed them. Them is what? The thoughts of God. The wisdom of God. To us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. 
For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now let me, say, let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying two or three things. He's saying that the third person of the Trinity, which is God the Holy Spirit. Now we know a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but we don't know that much about God the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't, we've never really learned that much. We're kind of afraid of Him. We shouldn't be, but we are. We're afraid He'd make us fanatical. That's one reason we're... But anyway, He comes, God the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. Now why does He come? What, what are the purposes of the Holy Spirit? Well, one of those purposes, he said, is that he searches the things of God. It means he sounds out. He finds out what God is thinking, what God is saying. I mean, he just, you know, he's on a face-to-face -face relationship with God the Father. It's God the Holy Spirit. They're co-equal and co-eternal. And so he finds out what God is thinking, what God is saying, what God is doing. He searches the things of God. He sounds out God. Now he says, who knows a man any more than the spirit of the man that's in him? You know what that means? He said, who knows you better than you know you? I mean, nobody knows what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, this sermon's boring. No, I, you know, nobody knows that except you. Well, I can kind of tell, but uh, no, you, nobody can read your mind. I mean, suppose you went to work tomorrow and there's a pink slip on your desk and, and you got two weeks, you know, and you were laid off work and, and somebody saw you that afternoon. They wouldn't know what's going on inside of you, but you would know. Only you know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. That's what he's saying. Now he says, who knows God except God? I mean, who knows God better than, than God knows God? <laughs> now watch this. I'm telling you what, this is mind-boggling. This will blow your mind. He says, you have God inside of you, and He is a divine informant. You know what an informant is? Dwayne knows what one, one is. An informant is a guy who will come to the authorities and say, hey, I mean, I know something about, I've got some information you need. And he'll give this information. They're, they're called informants. The scripture says that we have this divine informant inside of us. He lives with us. He lives inside of us. And the divine informant keeps us informed about what God's thinking about everything what God's will is on every matter. The divine informant making us aware of the mind of God. I mean, you have a divine informant inside of you who, who, in your heart and mind who will tell you what God's will is in any matter. You think you don't have something the world don't have? Now, he says... We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God. He, he just opens up. The Holy Spirit just opens up what God already has made available to us, what we already have. And he says, this is the things about which we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but the things that are taught by the Holy Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now I want you to go back to, to Job 11. I hope you kept the place there. I want to show you something there. Job 11. Now we're going to go back up to verse 6. Let me show you something. 
Sometime I want you to just take this and maybe uh, use your outline and do a study. This is so, the one of the most exciting things I've studied in a long time. Look at verse 6. He says, And show you the secrets. He says, But that God might speak and open his lips to you and show you the secrets of wisdom for sound wisdom. For spiritual depth perception has two sides. Now watch what watch this. Have you ever seen that before? Sound wisdom has two sides. Now that may mean that spiritual depth perception is twice as strong as human wisdom. It may mean that. I think it means more than that. I think it means that spiritual depth perception has a surface and it has a depth to it. Now, now watch this. I don't want to be misunderstood. There is a ministry of the Word and then there is a ministry of God. Now, if we can get this picture, this illustration, the goal out here, the destination is the depth of God. That's our destination. Now, the Word and the Holy Spirit, that is the Word, the ministry of the Word and the ministry of God are the vehicles by which we get to spiritual depth. Now, if you're going to Florida tomorrow, you're not going to just wake up and be in Florida. You're going to have to have a vehicle to get there. Now, if a person wants to, to, to come to the depths of God so that he can literally think with the mind of Christ, the ministry of the Word and the ministry of God are the vehicles to get there. Now, you say, what in the world does that mean? I'm going to show you what that means. I want you to flip your New Testament to 1 John. 1 John, and we're going to look at chapter 2, begin and look at two verses, verse 20 and verse 27. Verse 20 and 27. Now, if you read the second chapter of 1 John, that's the epistle of John, not the gospel, over by, by Revelation. If you read the first chapter, or the second chapter of 1 John, in the context He's going to be talking about the Word of God, abiding in God's Word. But he comes to verse 20 and talks about something different. He says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Now look at verse 27. And as for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. Now, he's saying that this anointing you received from God abides in, in us. Abides. He lives there. He's, talking, he's not talking about a, a principle or a thought. He's not even talking about the Word. He's talking about a person. He abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. All right, now there are two kinds, there are two ways into the depths of God. The Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, He says, who abides in us and teaches us right from wrong, teaches us to understand what is this, is this right, is this truth? 
Is this the way? The Holy Spirit communicates within. That's the anointing that abides within us. Haven't you, um, sometime a guy will come up, somebody come up to me and say, uh, Preacher, what about so-and-so? What, 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 is, is that real? I say, what, what do you think about that? I say, well, what do you think about it? They say, well, I don't believe it. I say, well, then it's not, it's not truth. Because you have the same Holy Spirit abiding in you as I do. This divine informant. And he's going to tell you within kind of a spiritual depth perception. Is this truth? Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this good? Is this, is this the right way? Now, the intellectual humanist might say, well, if you become a Christian, you just are ignorant. Let me tell you something. Don't you believe it. When you become a Christian, God comes to live in you and His wisdom abides in you and the Holy Spirit searches out, yea, the depths of the thoughts of God and tells you about them. And you don't have to ask anybody whether I should do this or not. Now, so that I would not be, I would not want to be offensive in any way. Can you imagine walking up to a blind man and saying, would you describe the sunset for me? And he's been blind from birth. He would say to you, I have no knowledge of what the sunset is like. I don't have that information. What if you went up to a deaf man who had been deaf from birth and said to him, I want you to describe for me Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. He would say, I have felt the sounds of it, but I have no idea what it sounds like. I don't have that information. You go up to a lost man, a non-believer, he may be the smartest man, he may be Einstein, and you ask him, tell me the things of God. He has no idea what you're talking about because the depths of God can only be penetrated by faith. Would you like to have, I, I sure don't want you to go away tonight thinking, man, I, I'd love to have that kind of thing, but I I'll never be able to, to do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The place to begin is to receive tonight the living Christ to live in your heart. And the place to go from here is to begin to, to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God by yielding to His control so that you can fine tune on what God is thinking as He searches out the mind of God tells you about it. You don't have to go and ask anybody anything or counsel's important. You don't have to go ask anybody, well, should I do this or not? If you're walking in, 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 in the light of the Holy Spirit, He's going to tell you what God's mind is. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You that there is a spiritual depth perception available to God's people, to the mature Christian. That there is some 
depth that is as deep as God himself. And that beyond our faith is an understanding and a grasp of spiritual truth, a perception about life that enables us to live the mind of Christ. God, how exciting it is to be a believer. And I pray that those who are lost tonight, who have never trusted Christ, who, don't, who, have, who can never say, I, I don't know anything about God, I don't know God, will come in simple faith in the very beginning, the beginning place, and by faith receive Christ, receive the divine informant. And I pray for those of us who are shallow in our understanding because we've never developed a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. That you'll forgive us, give us a hunger, desire to know Him because I pray in Jesus' name. Now in a spirit of prayer, we're going to ask you to stand. Our invitations are these, to come and receive Christ, to rededicate yourself to God, to join the church. As God leads you to come, would you come while we sing?